0: funny because you start talking about tithing and giving and all this kind of stuff and people get a little weird, you know, and you can kind of get a little little weird like that. You got your own little weird conspiracy theories on how it works with the Lord and and all that we really want to do is do what we sang at the very beginning of the service, which is center our life, right? Center our life. Center our life on God. Center our life on Jesus Christ and and, and to make Him Lord and to make Him first and best and highest and most in our life. And and that's really what it's about. The money just follows that commitment, That our finances would line up God's way just because we are so committed to God. And so that's what we've been uh, doing for the last several weeks as we've been in this series um, called Financial Freedom. And if you operate your financial household the way that God wants you to, the way that he instructs us in the scripture, we're going to be looking at a ton of verses today, then you can actually have financial freedom in your life. And you can actually uh, get get to that point where uh, you don't even think about it anymore because you're just operating it God's way. Um, This is going to culminate next week, next week, the last part of the series. We have a guest speaker that's going to be with us next week. His name is Matt Cameron. His dad, Barry Cameron, is the one that wrote the series and wrote the curriculum, the books that you've uh, been picking up out in the lobby, the workbook and and the textbook. Barry wrote those. His son, Matt, is going to be here next week. Matt's going to share with us a testimony about his finances. Matt was with us actually back in the fall of 2016 and he's had some more neat things happen since he was with us last time so he's gonna share uh, his testimony of God's faithfulness as they have gotten out of debt and started operating their house God's way and it's just a it's just a cool cool story and so I hope that you'll be uh, here for that next week. It's going to be an awesome, awesome uh, time together. Before we go any further, I do want to mention this. Uh, hopefully when you came in this morning, you got a bulletin. And inside the bulletin, we do have an insert this week, and it's this pink card. I just want to mention it now. We're going to mention it at the very, very end of the sermon. But if you get that out and you'll look at that, um, the pink card is, is just a commitment that you are making to the Lord. And there's a place for you to put your uh, to sign it to put your name, print your name, and the date on it. We're not asking for a dollar amount. It's not a pledge card or anything like that. It's just saying that I'm committed to the Lord, and that I'm going to either start tithing faithfully and give offerings as the Lord blesses. Or I'm going to continue. Maybe you're already doing that, uh, but I'm going to continue tithing faithfully. And then what we'd like for you to do with this card as you fill it out uh, toward the end of the sermon, at the end of the sermon, is to drop this in the offering plate a little later in the service. And uh, these cards are actually going to come back up in the next uh, couple of weeks, and and, uh, you're going to see them again. It won't be before the congregation, just be between uh, you and the church, but we're going to do some cool things with it. So uh, be contemplating that. Be, Be thinking about that commitment that you want to make. Um, If you're married this morning, we want you to look over at your spouse and say, hey, are we in on this thing? Are we really committed to God? And uh, we're just going to just expect God to do some amazing uh, moves in our life as we give him the, the priority in our lives. Let's open our Bibles this morning, Proverbs chapter 16. Proverbs chapter 16. If you didn't bring a Bible, grab that one that's there in front of you. Turn it to page 539. And you'll be right where we need to be, and as always, you're encouraged to be on your phone or your tablet, uh, download the Oakwood app, all the sermon notes are there for you, as well as the scriptures, bullet points, and all of those kind of things. You know, it, it, it's amazing. Uh, Psalm 24 one says this, and, and we're going to read it a little bit later too. It says, the earth is the Lord's, and all it contains, the world and those who dwell in it. You see, uh, what the world would say, like if you were in a communist country, and uh, communism teaches people that the government owns everything. If you're in a maybe a freer country, and, and maybe they, there's capitalism um, that's practiced in that country, they would teach you that the individual person owns everything. But then you get to Christianity, and Christianity, Christianity teaches you the truth, and the truth is that God owns everything, that everything that we have as humans in life comes from the heavenly father up above that he provides everything that we need for life and for godliness it says in the scripture and so as we've been going through this series this really boils down to this decision that we make in our life and that is are we going to do things god's way or are we going to do them our own way if we do them our own way then you're kind of on your own but if you choose to do things and operate life god's way then you are blessed and your heavenly father Blesses those that obey his word and do what it says. Let's look what it says here in in Proverbs chapter 16. There's two things I really want you to pay attention to as we read this passage. The first thing is, in these nine verses that we're going to read, is how many times it says the Lord. And pay attention too to how the Lord is written. How is the Lord written in there? The, the second thing I want you to, pench- to pay attention to is what the Lord does. what it was the Lord doing? So let's begin Proverbs 16 verse one. It says, "The plans of the heart belong to man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. All the ways of man are pure in His own eyes, but the Lord weighs the spirit. Commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established." The Lord has made everything for its purpose, even the wicked for the day of trouble. Everyone who is arrogant in heart is an abomination to the Lord. Be assured, he will not go unpunished. By steadfast love and faithfulness, iniquity is atoned for. And by the fear of the Lord, one turns away from evil. When a man's ways please the Lord, he makes Even his enemies be at peace with him. Better is a little with righteousness than great revenues with injustice. The heart of man plans his way, but it is the Lord that establishes his steps. Eight times in nine verses it says the Lord, and every time it mentions the Lord, it's mentioning him in a way that is an awe and reverent way. And you'll notice that it, it, in my Bible it has the Lord in all capital letters. And it's, it's a sign to us, it's, it's showing us that the name of God is revered, the name of God is holy, and that he is the Lord of our lives. It reminds me of the concept that, that we call Lordship Salvation. That when we come to salvation in Jesus Christ and we make that decision to give our lives to the Lord, he becomes the Lord. It, it, it means the word master. He becomes the master, the boss, the Lord of our life. Now what, what contradicts this in so many, so many ways is something that I would call easy believism. Because there's a lot of people in the world today that, that think if you just believe a set of facts, then, then you're saved, that's all you have to do, is just believe a set of facts. But it's interesting because Scripture tells us that even the demons believe the same set of facts that Christians do, and yet they shudder because they're not in heaven. You see, the evidence of a heart that is given over to the Lord is the obedience of that heart. And the desire of that heart to follow the Lord, the master, the boss, the one who is now over us and over our lives. And that means we have to make a choice. Is he Lord over all or just Lord over part of our lives? You see, the Bible would tell us that the Lord is to be over every part of our life. And so it really comes down to this question, is Jesus Lord? And if Jesus is Lord in your life, you would say, yes, absolutely, 100% Jesus is Lord. The next question would be, is Jesus truly the Lord of all? Luke 6.46 says this. This is Jesus talking to his disciples and to a crowd of people, and he says this. Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? I I, I think the next thing that probably popped into Jesus' mind was, am I really Lord? (laughs) If you do not do what I say. In Proverbs 16, uh, verse 3, the verse we just read, says... In the NIV, it says it this way, commit to the Lord whatever you do and your plans will succeed. What we read was commit to to uh, commit your work to the Lord, and your plans will be established. You see, there's all these action verbs through this passage. Uh, Verse 1 says that the Lord gives the answer. Verse 2 says that the Lord weighs the spirit. Verse 3 says that the Lord is is the one who establishes. Verse 4 says that the Lord made everything for what? For its purpose. Why? Because he's God. He understands the purpose of all. As it goes throughout the passage, in verse 9, again, it says that the Lord is the one who establishes. And so if we're going to have financial freedom, if we're going to operate our, our, our household and our financial household God's way, then we need to understand that we're going to need the Lord. That we're going to need to operate in His way. That we're going to need to have several things in our life Maybe be realigned to go God's direction. So uh, I want to share those with you this morning. Because if we're going to achieve financial freedom, let's, let's just review what we've been talking about the last the last three weeks. Uh, the first week we talked about it being an attitude change. And, and, and Alan Seibel did a great job talking about how we have to change our mindset and our attitude about finances. The second week I talked about the bondage of debt. And that we need to be out of the bondage of debt. The third week, last week, uh, Alan talked again about choosing to honor God with our wealth. And today, I would call today D-Day. It's decision time. Are you really going to choose to follow God's plan for your life? And if I could simplify it for you this morning, I would simplify it this way. What is God's plan for your life? Is that he would be first in everything that you do. He would be the most important thing in your life. Your first thought every morning would be on the Lord. That the Lord would get the, the, the proper amount of time in your schedule. That you would have the Lord be priority one. And that because he is the Lord, because he is your master, you operate and you align your life the way God wants you to go. We, we have a wonderful uh, illustration of this in Scripture with the nation of Israel. God's chosen people. I mean, you read it. After they get out of Egypt, uh, in the book of Exodus, they're, they're promised this, this land flowing with milk, milk and honey. It's called the promised land. And they're on their way there. And we see this pattern in their lives. When God is first, when they choose to operate in his way, they are blessed. If another nation comes against them, they're going to whip them. Why? Because God is first. Because we're moving his direction. But then we see them begin to struggle. And we see them maybe worship a golden calf. Something becomes, uh, comes up in front of God. And now God is second. And when God is second, there is suffering. When God is second, they don't have success. When God is second, there are those other people groups in the promised land that will now defeat the Israelites and push them back. Until they repent. Until they turn to God. And they say, God is first again. And we see this even beyond the promised land. We see it as throughout the book of Judges that God raises a judge up to tell the people, to judge the people and to tell them, turn back to God. Quit pursuing your sinfulness. Quit pursuing the desires of this world and turn to God. And then when they do that, they have success. And the Lord blesses them. And then seems that they stray. Even through the kings in the Old Testament, we see this pattern. A good king that put God's first has great success for the nation of Israel. And then you have a bad king that puts God's second or even further down the list. And they stray and they suffer and there's pain. And we see this throughout Scripture that we are called by God to obey his word. And that when we actually align our lives and our wills with his, it's amazing how blessed we are in our life. And how God promises in scripture, I'll take care of everything if you'll just put me first and make me the most important thing in your life. So as we journey toward financial freedom, we need to acknowledge that we have a need for some things. I want to share several of those with you very quickly this morning. And the first one is this. We need God's wisdom, all right? We need God's wisdom. Proverbs chapter 17, uh, verse 16 says this. Why should a fool have money in his hand to buy wisdom when he has no sense? Now, that word sense there is not C-E-N-T-S. It's S-E-N-S-E, but you could probably think about it either way. Why should a fool have money in his hand? To buy wisdom when he has no sense. We see, we need to have the wisdom of God about these things. The Bible says if, if any of you lacks wisdom, you should pray and ask God for wisdom. And God loves to give wisdom to his children. And he does that, yes, sometimes supernaturally, but he does it a lot through the Bible. He does it a lot through us reading and studying and understanding the word of God. It's his letter to us that tells us how to live. It tells us what direction to go. And it implores us that he be the priority in our lives. We need to have God's wisdom because if you don't have God's wisdom, then you will make mistakes in life. Especially in this area of finance. We need God's wisdom. The second thing is we need the right perspective. We need the right perspective. Look what it says, Psalm 24, verse 1 that I mentioned earlier. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof, the world and those who dwell Therein. In other words, everything I have in life is from the Lord, and it's on temporary loan from God. All of my possessions actually come from the Lord. And it's this concept that we have that's called stewardship. That God gives us everything we we have in life, and that we are stewards, or another word that might clear up the definition there for you, might be the word manager, that we are managers of God's resources. And so if the Bible says that God provides everything you need for life, for living, and for godliness, then he says he's going to provide everything we need. We need to maintain this perspective just as it says here in Psalm 24 that it's the Lord's. The Lord's the one that gives us life. He's the one that gives us the fullness of life. And anyone who dwells on the earth is not absent from God. It is because of the Lord. In the scripture it says stewards, managers of God's resources have one thing to do it's to be faithful look what it says first corinthians chapter 4 verse 2 it says moreover it is required of stewards that they be found faithful that they be faithful to the lord's commands in scripture with what he's given them and so we need to have the right perspective and that really bleeds into the next one we need to have the right priorities we need to have the right priorities proverbs 3 9 and 10 says this honor the lord with your wealth with the first fruits of all your produce, then your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will be bursting with wine. You see, we have to ask ourselves here is God first? Is He getting the first fruits? If we have our top five things in life that are most important to us, is God number one? Or maybe even for some of us, if we're honest, is God in our top three? Does God make the top five? Because He wants to be first. He wants to have the priority in life. And that is reflected in, in so many areas in life. It's reflected in Christian service. It's, re, it's reflected in the time that we give to the Lord. It's reflected in all of these other areas of life, but it's also reflected in our finances. Are we giving to the Lord the first fruits? and, and it, or Do we have that priority in our lives? Because when we make Him the priority, we have His favor. Barry Cameron, who wrote the, uh, the ABC's uh, financial freedom curriculum that, that we've been handing out, uh, he actually answered a question, and I, I, I love his response. So I want to share it with you. Someone asked Barry one time, it says, shouldn't my priority be to pay all of my bills first? So pay all my bills, all, everything I owe during the month, pay all my bills first, and then give to God? And this is Barry's response. He said, no, nothing should ever come before God. Nothing should ever come before God. Nothing, not one thing. The very first check should be to the Lord. Remember that Jesus promised in Matthew 6:33 that if we put God first, He'll take care of everything else we need in life. You remember what it says in Matthew 6:33? Do you remember what it says? We've talked about this for several weeks. If we put the Lord first, seek first His kingdom, seek first His righteousness. And then it says, and all of these other things will be added unto you as well. But Jesus there in Matthew 6.33 is speaking to the priority of God being first. And then he goes on to say this, that's what lordship is really all about. If we put anyone or anything before God, we're on our own to meet our needs then. God needs to be first in every area of our lives, especially in this area of finance. And when we put God first... We will always have enough to pay Uncle Sam and Aunt Martha Stewart and Visa and MasterCard and the mortgage company. But when we put anything else ahead of God, we will find that we never, ever have enough. God says, I'll provide all that you need. Seek first my kingdom and my righteousness. All of these other things you need will be added to you as well. But I want to be first, and I want to be the priority in your life. We need to line up with the right priorities. And that really leads us to number four here, is that, that we need to tithe. We need to tithe. Malachi 3.10, it was mentioned in the video, says this. Bring the full tithe, half the tithe, Lord? How about 2%? No, bring the full tithe into the storehouse. That there may be food in my house. And when he's talking about the storehouse there, he's talking about the church. He's saying that there would be food in my house. That the ministries would be funded within God's church. That people would be able to have their needs met within God's church. And it says, and thereby put me to the test in this. It's the only time in scripture God says test me. He doesn't say test me with your salvation or test me with this or that. He says test me in the area of provision. And thereby put me to the test, says the Lord of hosts. And see if I will not open the windows of heaven for you and pour down on you a blessing until there is no more need in your life. And I, I just want to say this morning that this, this isn't an option. I think so many Christians are like, well, this is just an option. Scripture doesn't say it is an option. And I think we need to quit pretending like it is. The scripture is clear on this. God says that the tithe is his. The scripture says the tithe belongs to the Lord. Leviticus 27 verse 30 says this. Every tithe of the land, whether a seed or of the land or the fruit of the trees, it is the Lord's. It is holy. It is even holy. It is meaningful. It is set apart. It is special to the Lord, that tithe. As we journey to financial freedom, we have a choice here. We can live blessed or we can live stressed. But it begins by bringing that tithe unto the Lord. It says that it belongs to the Lord. If something belongs to someone and you don't give it to them, you're stealing. That's what Scripture's saying here. It says that that tithe belongs to the Lord. It is the Lord's because he's given you everything that you need. Trust him that through that 90%, he's going to provide all that you need if we make the priority of giving him that 10%, the first fruits being the first in our life. And after tithing, it really makes sense, it leads us to the next one, and I'm not going to spend a long time on this because we talked about this week two for so long, but we need to get out of debt. Remember that scripture from week two, Proverbs 22 verse seven says this, the rich rules over the poor and the borrower is slave to the lender. Remember, debt makes you a slave to something other than God, so we need to try to stay out of debt and get out of debt as fast as we can. If you have to go into debt. Because there are circumstances in the Bible. We talked about it the second week in the book of Deuteronomy. There were times where it was okay in Scripture. But what was the terms? Do you remember? It was no longer than seven years, and they had a plan to pay it back every time. We need to have it, we need to have it for as short a term as we can, and we need to pay it down as fast as we can. And, and make that debt, eliminate that debt from our lives. The sixth thing this morning is we need to be generous. We need to be generous. We need to be open-handed with our dollars. I haven't always been the most generous person. But through the years, I feel like God's given me, uh, softened my heart and given me a mindset more to look at people in need differently than I did before. What happened to me is it was, I was in Clinton, Oklahoma at a church serving. I just completed Christmas Eve services at the church and I was driving to, uh, to our house where we were living. I took a shortcut that I didn't, don't usually take and off the main drag I drove by a homeland grocery store that was there. And on Christmas Eve, I saw what appeared to be a father and a son digging in a dumpster behind the store. And God broke my heart and said, whatever money you got in your wallet, you need to go give to them. I drove by and kind of thought, no, if I just go far enough down the road, it won't bother me. But it bothered me. <laughs> and so I went back. I think I had two twenties in my wallet. I gave them $40 and, and just told him. that I felt like the Lord had impressed on me to bring that back to them and he, he didn't really say much you could just tell he was got by the act and, and I didn't stay, stay to visit or anything I, I just said it's just from the Lord I felt compelled to, on my heart to give this to you and I hope that you have a Merry Christmas and I drove off. I don't know what that moment of generosity maybe meant to that man and his son but I know that in my heart I was doing what God wanted me to do to be generous. Proverbs 11 24 and 25 says this one gives freely, yet grows all the richer. Another withholds what he should give and only suffers want. Whoever brings blessing will be enriched, and the one who waters will himself be watered. It's amazing how it seems like when we give and when we're generous, what goes around comes around. Second Corinthians chapter 9, verse 11 says it this way, you will be enriched in every way. In what way, Lord? You'll be enriched in every way. Spiritual blessings, Lord, in every way. So that you can be generous on every occasion. How many occasions will I be able to be generous if I'm trusting in you, Lord? He says, every occasion. And through us, your generosity will result in thanksgiving to God. You know, Shane mentioned earlier, we're coming into the season of thanksgiving. And what better way to reflect how thankful for we are for what we have? than to be generous to those in need. And the last one this morning, the thing that we need to realize that we need is we need to be patient. We need to be patient about this. We need to be patient with our savings. We need to be patient in paying off our debt. We didn't get into our financial situation, you know, overnight. We're not going to get out of it overnight. Proverbs thirteen eleven encourages with these words, wealth gained hastily will dwindle, but whoever gathers little by little will increase it. If you follow these steps, then financial freedom can be yours. John chapter 8, verse 36, Jesus says this, So if the Son sets you free, you will be free indeed. But it seems like there's something that God always requires. It's surrender. We see that from the very beginning of the Bible. If we'll just surrender to him, if we'll just give everything up, we just raise the white flag and surrender and, and, and just, just give everything over to God. And this includes our financial area. If we would just surrender our finance to God say, okay, God, I'm trusting that you're going to provide. I'm trusting that everything I have comes from you. Because so many times I think we get in this American mindset where, well, I'm a self-made man and I earn the money because of the skills and abilities or mental faculties or the talents that I have. And that's what provides money and income for my family. Who gave you, who gave you the smarts to do what you do? Who gave you the talents? Who gave you the abilities? Who gave you the ability to produce? The Bible says it was from the Lord. Who created you in special interests and talents and abilities? It was the Lord. And so we put him first. And we come to him and we offer him and we surrender to him our resources. Think about it. How many times in the Bible did this happen? You think about it. The the wedding in Cana in Galilee. You know, those those ones, uh, those guys that were carrying the big jars and they had to fill them with water and bring them back to Jesus, they just surrendered them said, fine, here, jars of water, just surrender them, whatever. And Jesus makes them into wine. But they had to be willing to surrender it. You remember the story of the little boy? Five loaves, two fish, right? Jesus takes that little offering that he surrenders and makes it to feed 5,000 men and their families. You see it all throughout scripture. Do you remember the story of the widow? The little jar of oil? And she surrenders it. And because she surrendered it to the Lord, that little jar of oil that would have been gone already never ran out. And we see all throughout scripture That people come and they surrender to the Lord. And that's the call of God, really for this series and the call of God for your decision today. Am I willing to surrender? Am I willing to really trust God and come before Him and say, okay, God, all that I have is yours. I lay it all before you. I surrender it all to you understanding that it is only in God and only in God alone that we will have life and have life, as Jesus said, to the fullest because he is going to take care of us because he's going to provide everything that we need. As we come to our time of, of, of in invitation this morning. I, I want to conclude with this verse. It's Psalm 84, verse 11. It says this, For the Lord God is a son And shield, the Lord, all caps, bestows favor and honor. No good thing does he withhold from those who walk uprightly. From those who surrender and offer what they have to him. There's a story of a man... His name was Henry P. Crowell, and he uh, felt a call in his life to be a minister, and he wanted to preach. But he had some lung issues, some asthma, some bronchial infections. And because of the time that he was living in, which was the 1880s, they didn't have uh, the medicine quite figured out on how to treat these things. And he went to a doctor, and the doctor says, you'll never be able to preach. You're always going to have this soft and, and, and stiffened voice. Uh, But I would encourage you to work outside. Being in the dormant air, being inside all the time is not helping your lungs. And so for seven years, he worked outdoors. And after seven years, his lungs got strong enough that he was beginning to feel healthy and to be healed. But feeling like his time and his call of of ministry to preach had passed, he he went before the Lord. He said, Lord, I'm going to give you 10%, just like you say in Scripture, I'm going to trust you and give you 10% of all I have if you'll just bless me as a businessman." God, if you'll just take care of this business thing, I'm going to always give you 10% of everything I have. And after he had worked outdoors for seven years and saved for that time, there became this uh, Quaker mill that had opened up in Ravenna, Ohio. And he made an offer on it and bought it and began to go into the business of what happened in that mill, which was to uh, take and, and separate the oats. He started this, this, this little mill. And from the very first day, the very first time that he had income in that mill, he gave 10% into the Lord. Well, that little mill in Ravenna, Ohio, became a business that's a household name today. You go to the grocery store, you see it. It's called Quaker Oats. Quaker Oats. Well, what was interesting is when Henry passed away, when they got into his financials, and they got into the business, they were trying to, you know, figure things out and what he had been doing what they found out is that Henry actually had not given 10% of the business to the Lord. But as the Lord had blessed him and grown that business into the billions and billions of dollars over time that it had produced. No, Henry had given 60% of the profits to the Lord. 60%. That he had actually given it to churches in need. Not only in the Ohio area, but had branched out to the United States and even around the world. That he was actually helping fund ministry to reach people through churches around the world. Why? Because a man made a decision, I'm going to trust the Lord. I'm going to trust what the Bible says. And I'm going to give to the Lord and surrender to Him. And I'm going to watch how He, maybe even through me, can produce ministry that would save many souls. No one knows for sure how his dollars have impacted and affected generations of Christians. Can you imagine what it might be like to be in heaven someday and to see Henry P. Crowell with a great crowd amongst him that said, hey, because you were generous, because you trusted the Lord and because you believed in the tithe, because you believed in funding ministry, my whole family got to hear about Jesus. As we come into uh, the time of invitation, we're going to sing this song together. Uh, during that song, I, I just ask that you pick this up and consider it. If you're here with your spouse this morning, I want this to be a decision that you both make together. But I want to encourage you to mark that card, drop that in the offering plate in just a few minutes in just a few minutes. But more than that, understand. God wants you to surrender because he wants to be first in your life. I imagine that there's some of us here that we've never called on the name of the Lord. We've never made our, our decision to give him our life, to confess him as Savior and Lord, to be buried in the watery grave of baptism, to be raised out of that water to walk in the newness of life. And if that's you this morning, then I would ask, could today be the day of salvation for you? Where you give your heart to the Lord. Because... The Lord wants to be first. He wants to be Lord of our lives. Let's pray. Lord God, I thank you for the opportunity we have to to come here to read truth from your your word from the scriptures, Lord. And I, I, God, I just pray that we would respond this morning in whatever way you're leading us right now, Lord, in our, in our hearts and our minds that we want to make you first. We want you to be first and most and best and highest in our life. And, Lord, we want to reflect these principles of being out of debt. We want to reflect generosity to the world. And, and so, God, we know that to be successful in these areas, we do these little things that Scripture tells us to do. We give a tithe faithfully to you. We are generous to you through offerings as you bless us and direct us, Lord. God, that we put you as the priority in our life, and even in our checking accounts, that people will look and say, oh, God is doing something here. God is a priority in their life. And Lord, that nothing, no thing would come before you, that you could be the highest and the most important, and the priority of our life. And Lord, if we haven't made that decision, I pray as we sing this song, God, we could go over to the decision room, talk to someone ask questions, have a conversation, have a time of prayer. But God, that you just continue to do your work in these next few minutes, in Jesus' name, amen.